Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. A look back at the second test from Barbados after the completion, and a rather repetitive story, I suppose, in the first two tests, with both matches ending in a draw, with the West Indies battling to save the game and doing so successfully, and Craig Brathwaite, the captain, being very much at the forefront of their resistance. What an extraordinary batsman he is. Do you know, Simon, that in his, I don't know, 10-year career or something, he has never played a T20 match? No. It's amazing, isn't it? And Yeah, I you, saw that. I mean, you, I guess you would say, well, he doesn't look like the sort of chap who would play a T20 because he takes 20 overs to get 20 runs, never mind 150. So it's it, it's not he's not sort of suited to it. But to actually resist... The opportunity to play a T20 once or throughout, I mean, his career so far is quite extraordinary. And I mean, I guess you have to hand it to him. Man of the match, uh, slightly a bit of an oxymoron, I suppose, in a way. Man of the match having resisted so long and saved the game rather than won it. But you have to hand it to him for his courage and concentration. Yeah, the two players of the match so far have been both West Indian and both have block the you know what out of it um it, it not exactly made it thrilling cricket bonner in the first test match and brathwaite in the second test match i mean the player that really lit up this game and with a brilliant hundred was, was ben stokes it's funny isn't it how you, you, you these selectors of the player of the match award i think it's a fairly arbitrary thing anyway probably wouldn't have thought about giving it to to ben stokes but he sort of set the game up he at least gave it some impetus the one player really to give it some impetus and to you know, score quickly consistently but that's Test cricket, isn't it? There's, it there, there, there's more than one aspect to it. It's not T20. It's not one-day international cricket. It is about sometimes just playing the circumstances. And West Indies were, well, they faced the first thing score of 500. So you could sort of argue, well, what was he supposed to do? 
you could say, well, he could try to score a bit quicker and get West Indies up to 500 and try to put pressure on England in their second innings and the third innings of the match. But he probably just felt that was beyond his side. So, you know, fair play to him. It wasn't thrilling, but it was a monumental feat of concentration. What I made it 216 runs in the game for once out and 673 balls. 673 balls. Yeah, I think that's probably more than I face in my career. <laughs> uh, and, and it's uh, actually, it was one for the connoisseur because although his batting is not uh, a thing of beauty or, or even excitement, it, the, the skill that he applies to defence is admirable. Uh, I, I love the way he smothers the spin. You know, he gets right down low, almost gets his whole body behind the ball, bat out in front but using the rest of his body as well as a sort of second line of defence. And the, the way he reads the ball off the pitch and and actually also the way he reacts when he plays and misses occasionally. There was a few pretty good balls bowled by Jack Leach which spun sharply, missed the edge. And it, it, it was totally unflustered, mm. phlegmatic, just, OK, what, what, what have we got next? And, uh, yeah, amazing resilience... But but you know no little skill actually I I, I just I suppose if, I don't know if it, I just think if I was him I'd want to express myself a bit more occasionally and 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 play a few more expansive shots but maybe that's he's maybe he's just someone who who likes you know the long game well it was incredibly pragmatic innings as as I was saying I think he he saw there was no opportunity for West Indies really, to win the game. So he bat long, bat long, bat long. And actually, his strategy worked, didn't it? Because It wasn't exciting. They, they kept England out there for, what, 188 overs. And that strategy of just t- of elongating the game, just making them wait and wait and wait, delaying the declaration or the chance for England to get in a position to declare, just reduced the amount of time West Indies had to bat on the fourth, on the fifth day and in the fourth innings. Because if they had to, you know, if they'd had to bat 100 overs, they might not have been able to save the game on that pitch. Because there was, there was sort of enough happening uh, towards the end of light was a bit against England I suppose and something else we should talk about yours what about the possibility of England playing a a second spinner I'm talking about Matt Parkinson a a leg break bowler could Matt Parkinson come into the equation uh, for the next test match or will will England feel that's too much of a gamble they sort of outplayed West Indies in the first two games Parkinson it would be his test match debut he's a leg spinner and I, I think they're quite cautious about playing leg spinners in the longer form of the game for reasons we've discussed before they don't they love them in the short form but do they, they feel a bit cautious about playing him in the in the longer form of the game because it's easy to, you know you can sit on a leg spin bowler wait for the bad ball and suddenly the pressure's released so there's that aspect to it but I mean he's, he's obviously got talent Matt Parkinson. He's taken his first class wickets at, at 23. What say you then, Matt Parkinson for Grenada? Well, I wonder if the West Indies strategy is, is a long-term one. So they're grinding and wearing down England over the first two tests so that, A, their bowlers are exhausted by the time it gets to the third test. And also, maybe there's just a little canny uh, objective here to try and tease Joe Root into making a slightly braver, slightly more risky declaration, and suddenly West Indies will jump on it and win, and they'll play out of slightly out of character in this series and chase a target of 250 off 65, 70 overs, which is slightly more gettable than the one that Root set them in the second test. So, is it? Are they kind of just jockeying for 
you know, England to just offer them a little carrot and suddenly they'll, they'll bite it off. Uh, no. Probably, probably. No. Not. Okay, no. But, but uh, as far as they're um, a defensive-minded team, they're quite, yeah. I think they're a defensive-minded team. They, they're not that confident, and they're just they're just sort of testing England, just staying in the contest. I think that's that's what they're trying to do. So, so do England gamble and play Matt Parkinson, or is it a gamble to play Matt Parkinson? Would, would a second spinner on that surface have really helped them, or would West Indies have just scored quickly off him? Well, we, we can't know the answer to that precisely, but. Yeah, would a second spinner have been a, a massive help to England in that match? Well, look at the number of overs that Dan Lawrence bowled. I know that it partly was due to the light fading at the end there and they couldn't use the seamers, but he actually asked a few questions and, he, and he, I don't think he's a bad bowler, actually. I think with a bit more practice, a bit more experience, he would actually be a, a valuable second spinner. Um, I just think with leg spin, they are different and they do sort of get something different out of a surface because of the fact they're wrist spinners primarily rather than finger spinners, so therefore there's more top spin on the ball, and therefore there can be a bit more bounce and there can be something unexpected that they produce. So absolutely, if, if the pitch is anything like these other two, mm. I would definitely think about playing uh, a third, a second spinner, Matt, Matt Parkinson, offering a completely different... I mean, yeah, he's not going to be as accurate as Jack Leach, but in a way Jack Leach has proved his consistency and reliability over these first two tests. He's only been in, in this uh, second innings, West Indies second innings, you know, he was conceding one and a half runs and over. And I know a lot of it was blocking out, but he's shown his ability to be reliable. And therefore, I think they can ex- uh, it, it, it will take that risk and try a second spinner who might offer a few more runs, but may also take more wickets. And... Someone like Chris Wokes is just, I don't think he even, I reckon he probably doesn't even want to play in Grenada. I mean, it's just so, he looks a bit forlorn, really. And uh, it's it's tough when you're an English type seam bowler bowling on these tracks and you've had two games and bowled about 50 overs and got hardly anything. You don't, you do, you do feel a bit kind of pessimistic about your opportunities. I, I, I would love to see a second spinner, England, including him, instead of say, instead of say Chris Wokes. Australia, of course, played uh, their leg spinner in the second test match in Karachi, uh, Mitchell Swepson, and you know he, they hoped that he would help spur them on to victory. And he, well, he went but naught for 150 in the, in the second. It, it can happen. He bowled a lot of overs. And he actually, there, there was some threat from him at, at times. I mean, that's a different player. There's, there's something exciting about Parkinson. You feel that somewhere along the line, you know, England should use him. But I think there is that reticence. I, I, mm. yeah, they've got him in the squad. Um that he wasn't part of the Ashes squad. He was actually sent home, wasn't he? He was with the Lions and he was sent home. They, they said, no, we don't need, after the Lions uh, little tour finished, rather than just keeping him there in Australia, they said, no, I don't think we're going to need you and sent him home. There were those who said, yeah, they should have played him. I don't think that that would have made a, a huge amount of difference. But, and, and also we've seen, we've seen bowlers come in and the pressure's on them, haven't we? We've Play, bowlers like Simon Kerrigan, for example, I know he's not a leg spinner, but Mason Crane. There's, there's a bit of wishful thinking sometimes around uh, leg spinners. Chris Schofield back in the day, Ian Salisbury back in the day, and it's not really worked out for him. Even, even Adil Rashid, actually, in Test match cricket, didn't have the success that he has in, in white ball cricket because players have to take them on, don't they, in, in white ball cricket, especially T20. You have, to come, you, know, you have to take the attack to the spinner, whereas in Test you can just sit on them and just wait for the the one or two bad balls that might come every couple of overs. And and then it's hard to control. And I think Root likes that control, doesn't he, in the field? 
And that's what one of the things that England have done. It's, it's been a real sort of arm wrestle, tug of war with two sort of fairly tenacious, very tenacious sides actually so far in this series. Um, and my hunch, and I saw in a way I hope I'm wrong, because I, I want to see something different in a way. Don't You don't want to see the same game played over and over again. My hunch is that England won't play, but I, I sort of hope they do. I hope they, they give them a go. I, I just feel England like that balance that they got, which is you know, the four-pace bowlers, the spinner, and some occasional spin in, in route, and, and Lawrence as well. By the way, I saw some I saw some progress with Jack Leach in that second innings because I've been calling for not not alone in calling for a bit more variety and you know using the crease and a bit more flight and so on. And I think there was some of that in the second innings, uh, West Indies second innings. I, I noticed he he changes his position on the crease quite a bit. He goes wide, he goes closer, and lets the ball go from different places. And he was he was trying to bowl a bit slower under sort of 55 miles an hour, which I think is his average speed, is his, his default. And I, so I could see, you know, just signs there of a little bit of, you know, art and imagination coming into you know, a basic blanket of, of pretty consistent accuracy. Yeah, and his, his match figures, his match return uh, were pretty good, weren't they? I mean, Ian Bishop on the BT commentary was saying, you know, I feel like good spinners, really top-class spinners on this pitch would have had more of an impact. Mm. They would have taken more yeah. wickets more quickly. And I, 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 I definitely could see the point he was making. I mean, Leach, by what was it, 94.5 overs in the game. He took six wickets. And, I mean, you know, his figures were, were very tidy, but 40 maidens. He, I'm just doing the figures. He took yeah, what did he take? Six for six for about 150, something like that, from 94 overs. You know, it, it controlled the game as far as England are concerned, but it, it wasn't able to to force the game home. So yeah, I mean, it's really steady performance from Leach, and I'm sure he'd have learned an incredible amount from from bowling that much. You, you know, you can't can't say I haven't been bowling now, which is the the problem they had last summer. So you know, you, you the more you play. The more you're involved, uh, the more you should improve, mm. in theory. Uh, just going back to, I just, I was just looking this up actually while you were talking, uh, yours. Just going back to uh, Chris Wokes and Grenada. You're saying I, I don't think he'd fancy playing in Grenada. The last time he played in Grenada was in that one-day international that England played. That really high-scoring game, ten overs, no maidens, naught for ninety-one. He was it for seven sixes. He was Gale that day. Mind you, most England bowlers were Gale making 162 off 97 balls. A really incredibly high-scoring game. There were 46 sixes in the match, 418 for six, played 389 all that. So if they produce a similar pitch to that uh, for the Test match, you know, over the piece. Uh, then that, yeah, there'd be lots of bowlers going. Oh, I just yeah, that that. I don't know, Antigua and Barbados. Yeah, I have my hamstrings just a bit I sore. Think I think Chris Wokes would be much better sore. off going on the spice trail <laughs> in the rainforest in Grenada and coming home with some nutmeg rather than uh, labouring on a, another placid surface and, and dreaming of Edgebaston in April as well. Because last year he was actually at the IPL, so more rough treatment, but at least he can come home to some familiar pastures this time. Lucky. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, yours, inevitably, there's been a lot of talk about the pitches for this series and the Pakistan-Australia series has been played on benign pitches as well and that that third test match has started and it looks another sort of slow, low pitch in Lahore for the third game. Is this just the natural variation of pitches around the world or do you think that there's a sort of a standard, there's a level that pitches need to be at around the world? Or just say to to Grandstaff, look, just produce the pitch you want and if it's like this, so be it. It's just one of the things. It's just part of the the variation of test cricket around the world. If you come to England, there's a bit of sea movement. If you go to Australia, the pitch is generally flat. South Africa, uh, certain places, Centurion, Johannesburg, the ball bounces more. In India, Sri Lanka, it, it spins. It's, it's just part of the way it is. Or do you think there should be a concerted move, generally from the ICC, to try to say to, to ground staff around the world, OK, produce decent batting services, but at least get some pace in them so that, that there's something there for the bowlers as well. If you have contests like this that sort of send everyone to sleep and give a sort of sense of inevitability about the, the outcome, then that's not really good for test cricket. Or is it just, you know, it's always been that way. I mean, is, is, I think what the point I'm making is, because Test cricket is up against uh, white ball cricket and, and T20, does the Test cricket game actually need to say, say to itself, this is not quite good enough, we need to do something about this? It's, it's not good enough to say, oh, well, these are just the conditions. I completely agree with you. I, I, I really do think some action needs to be taken because it's boring watching cricket, which is just played on placid surfaces. And I think all groundsmen should be encouraged to leave a bit of grass on the pitch. That's one of the things they don't do in the in the Caribbean, for instance, is shave all the grass off. And obviously, if they do that in India, the ball turns square. And it's quite an interesting contest, though it tends to favour India generally. And sometimes they get it a bit too... Uh, they, they get the balance a bit wrong and the game doesn't last very long because of the um, amount of extravagant amount of spin. But... In a way, I think the premise that the Indian groundsmen have is quite a good one because it's playing a little bit to the home strengths, but also looking to try and make something happen, allow a pitch that does something and helps the bowlers. That's the key. Bowlers need a little bit of help. And on the pitch like they're playing in Pakistan or in the pitches they've been playing in the Caribbean, the bowlers have nothing until probably the the fifth afternoon when the old one goes through the top or... Uh, spins a little bit more extravagantly. And the, uh, the trouble is, I think groundsmen are nervous to leave too much grass on because they think the ball's going to z- zip and seam everywhere and, mm. and suddenly the game's going to be over in two and a half days. And, of course, the other thing they have to think about a little bit and probably are under pressure to achieve is to make sure the game goes four days at least for 
for the income and probably even for the broadcasters as well. Not that you have to hand money back to a broadcaster if the game only lasts for three days. But in the end, you're thinking about long-term relationships with broadcasters. And if matches keep ending early, they're not going to pay as much for the next contract. So there's a lot of kind of financial implications to making a pitch too helpful for bowlers. Obviously, the Indians don't care about that, but most of the other countries do. And so it's a very fine balance. And actually, groundsmanship is an incredibly fine art as well. It, getting that balance, you know, whether you leave grass of eight... Remember when um, the groundsman Trent Bridge left 10 millimetres of grass instead of eight, and Stuart Broad looked at it and thought, well, you know, it looks all right, but quite fancy having a bowl and he got eight for 17 and Australia were bowled out for 60 and that was just two millimetres more grass than normal so you can see how fine the margins are but I yeah I may, maybe the ICC should take a, a lead on this captains and umpires do give pitches a rating mm. or perhaps they should be a bit more severe in the ratings that they give. Yeah I mean, the, the match referee often does give a, a pitch a rating and I, I note actually that the for the second test between India and uh, Sri Lanka in, in Bengaluru, the, the game that was finished inside three days, Javagos Srinath is the ICC match referee for that, and he actually has rated the pitch as as below average. And that that was that one finished too early, and there's there was actually the ball was turning very early in the game, and it finished in three days. And and the cricket, some of the cricket was actually quite exciting. Uh, it, it, you're right, it's sort of trying to find that balance, isn't it, really, between a short test match and and a, and a test match that just peters out to a draw. I mean, I think we probably all recognise that what, what's the best sort of test match? Probably the one that, I mean, some ground staff say, or might, or curators or whatever say, the, the best test for me is one, I remember one of the Australians saying, I think it was the, the Adelaide uh, curator saying, the best test for me finishes on the fourth evening, you know, the final session of the fourth day. Um, yeah, So you have uh, long, but not too long, um, but you know, it's not. I think one of the things it's not a perfect world, though, is it? And sometimes it is going to be totally in favour of the batter. Sometimes it's totally going to be in favour of the bowlers. It's it's sort of part of. It's always been part of the game, really. And as you say, it's a, it is a tough art. But it'd be nice to think that the the, the ground staff in in Grenada would would just be encouraged to do something a bit different. Although I note that all three test matches, there have been three test matches in Grenada so far. All three test matches finished on the fifth day, a draw and two results. England won the last time they were there, actually in 2015. It was quite a high-scoring game, and they knocked off about 140 quite quickly on the on the final day, uh, winning by eight or nine wickets, something like that. Maybe um, there should be a rule <clears throat> which says you can't set the blades on the mower lower than four millimetres or something. You know, so you've got to leave some grass on the pitch. And I, I, I guess, you know, somebody in Dunedin would say, well, <clears throat> if we leave four millimetres of, of grass on the pitch there, it will seam all over the place. But um, I don't know. I, it's They need some kind of standards, I suppose, to, because otherwise seamers are just going to give up playing in some of these Places because well, Kemar no Roach, Kemar Roach said, didn't he, during during this last Test match? He said, you know, it's it's, it's really hard work for us. You know, <laughs> we want, we don't want pitches like this, and it, it, I think it probably would be fun to get to Grenada actually and leap, put something there for the bowlers and and so ha almost have a bit of a bowler shootout as well. I mean, the batters have had their turn, haven't they, so far? Let's let's have a bit of a bowler shootout. And sometimes actually, you find in a a, a longer series, three matches, five matches. 
what's quite nice you go to different venues and you have different conditions and so it is a different challenge for the for the players and there's nothing wrong with that some some pitches are flat some pitches a lot more for the bowlers and and that's sort of quite beguiling for a, for a whole test series so but we i don't think we want another pitch like like the one we had in Barbados and the one we had in Antigua, which was worse for you. Probably Antigua was probably worse, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, because there was absolutely no bounce, mm. at least when you got an edge in Barbados. The edge is quite often carried, and so the, the bowlers had a little bit of a chance. And Antigua, it's just, it, it's, um, it's demoralising bowling on a pitch like that if you're a faster mm. bowler because you feel like the ball's almost going backwards when it's landing. Mm. England will feel that they've sort of taken the initiative definitely in these in two test matches so far, but they have batted first twice. Although, to be fair to them, they were behind on first innings in Antigua and then made the running with that really excellent uh, second innings that they produced to sort of come from behind and get themselves in a potentially into a, a winning position. In this test match, England scored at 3.6 runs per over. West Indies, you won't be surprised to know, scored at 2.1 runs per over. So Such it, a it, contrast, uh, isn't it? If you, yeah. it? You know, sort of... If, turn the clock back 30-odd years, it would be exactly the other way around, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the games wouldn't last because West Indies pace bowlers would just whistle England out. Um, most of the time, anyway. There was a tour in the mid-'80s where England drew a couple of test matches in, in the Caribbean. But, they, yeah, the West Indies had a real stranglehold over the game, didn't they, and when they were so dominant with those that pace bowling attack. And, yeah, England have gone there. And, you know, they've played some decent cricket so far. They've been very positive. I think that's that's the thing. One of the things about England's cricket so far, I mean, they're not they're not a perfect team. They've got they they've got flaws, but they have they, they do they look they looked a good unit in this series. There's enterprise. There's yeah, enterprise. they have been enterprising. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you could say that. And, and West Indies haven't been particularly enterprising, but they have batted second twice, and you know, and so the, with the prospect of batting last in in both games, which has probably made them a bit more cautious. Even even in the in the first test match as well, they knew they had to sort of dig in and get runs in that first innings to protect themselves in the fourth innings, which is uh, what they were able to do. So, what also would be quite good fun? We talk about the possibility, prospect, who knows, gamble, whatever you want to call it, or, or perhaps no prospect at all of playing Matt Parkinson in the in the next test match. It'd quite be quite nice to see West Indies bat first, see something a bit different, see a different type of game in in Grenada, and see how England can cope with perhaps being under pressure as being the team that bats. Uh, second or fourth. So that's uh, Barbados, Yoz, and a little look ahead to Grenada. We should, um, before we finish, turn to the Women's World Cup because a dram- I mean, a dramatic result today, which opens things up for England. It's actually been uh, quite a good weekend uh, for them, or the last two or three days after a dreadful start to the tournament, because Pakistan, who'd lost all their games so far, beat the West Indies in Hamilton in a match that was rain-affected and reduced to 20 overs. And West Indies just didn't get enough and Pakistan uh, knocked them off with uh, an over or so uh, to go, which was sort of t- just completely transformed the tournament, actually. And a bit like, I suppose, when Sri Lanka beat England in the Men's World Cup last time round. It just sort of opened the tournament up for teams. And that is what has happened here. So England have got uh, two more matches to go. I suppose one thing that could be against England is the weather. You know, if they if you look at their last two games, and they're both winnable, Bangladesh and, and Pakistan. But if the weather intervenes and you only get a point, say, for a washout, then that can scuppy your chances. It's all to play for in, mm. in, in this final week. Well, yeah, but there's, there are how many teams on four points? There's India in fourth place on four points. England, 
in fifth place on four points and New Zealand also in uh, sixth place on four points. So any one of those sides could get through. West Indies have six points, South Africa eight and Australia ten. So Australia obviously through, South Africa pretty much safe as well. But, you know, West, any of those sort of middle four teams could get through. So, yeah, a lot, as you say, all to play for, fascinatingly poised. And England with probably the easiest of the two matches of all the other sides. So they've kind of come back from the dead so far, which is brilliant for them. I mean, why we always leave it to this point, God knows. It's, it's an English um, habit that we have, isn't it? But well, I don't know. It makes it all more interesting. Well, it does. It makes it far more exciting. If you, and I think one of the features of the competition so far has been the fact that lots, you know, there, there have been some really tight games, lots of close finishes, and today, you know, a, a big upset with Pakistan. It's their first win in a World Cup since two thousand and nine. West Indies, they're, they're capable of playing uh, superbly on their day, but also incredibly vulnerable as well and actually that it, it, that is what makes it more interesting is if you just turn up knowing who pretty much is going to win um, then yeah just take something away from the tournament although it does feel as though it might be that everyone else is playing for runners up I don't know uh, it's a bit of a danger to say that actually because when you get to the knockout stage you have, you have one bad day I'm thinking of Australia here if you have one bad day then of course your whole tournament goes up in smoke despite uh, dominating it for, for a large part I mean, I mean India for example last World Cup they won the group didn't they in England they, they finished top of the, the group stage in the last World Cup but they were down by India at Old Trafford in the semi-final they had an off down no, they lost to England um, in, in the uh, group stages but they you know, they did control the group they won the group but that didn't insulate them uh, from a from a bad day in the in the semi-final a tough day so yeah still plenty to, plenty to play for in the final week of qualifying and then the, the knockout stages next week one little um, other note, um, it was the funeral of Shane Warne yesterday mm. and uh, about 80 guests turned up to uh, the ceremony near St Kilda in Melbourne, which is of course where Shane was passionately a, a fan of St Kilda Aussie Rules team and played for it a, a little bit in his early early years. And uh, quite a few luminaries there from the cricket world, Alan Border. Glenn McGrath, Michael Vaughan made the trip. Yeah, Michael flew out, didn't he? And he left his, um, he, he left some memento by the Shane Warne statue. His pajamas. Yeah, his pajamas that he was given to him at Christmas, I think. Yeah. At the yeah he hung it on the fence mm. uh, round the, the the Shane Warne Memorial at, the, at Melbourne Cricket Ground. Um, so uh, that must have been a, a poignant time. I mean, it's still impossible to kind of imagine the whole mm. thing, really, isn't it? Fifty twelve year old man like that, so full of life and. And so we're going to do, um, in our virtual club in a couple of weeks, actually, we're going to do some reminiscences about Shane Warne. Um, I'll give you a bit more notification about that during the next test, but uh, it'd be nice to have as many people on as possible, just giving their memories and observations about the man who, who changed the game, really. Mm. And uh, uh, he was put to rest yesterday in his hometown of Melbourne. So that's it for today. We'll be back with a review of the first day of the third test match from Grenada, which starts this Thursday. So we'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening.
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.